This is New Bedford's news talk station. The place where the South Coast comes to talk about all the hottest issues locally and beyond. This is WBSM. Call in to have your voice heard at 508-996-0500. Or open up the WBSM app and hit app chat to text us. Or open line to leave us a voicemail. Let's hear it, South Coast. And welcome back in. It is the third and final hour here on Monday, and that means it is time to queue up the Rolling Stones. Because we are going to be turning on the light with Jack Spillane of New Bedford Light. Good morning, Jack. How are you? Good morning. I, I just uh, mentioned that the light is celebrating its second anniversary this month. We're having a big fundraiser because we don't charge for any of our services. We just ask if you like us to send us money. So June 22nd, you can look it up on our website, uh, buy a ticket. Um, uh, it's a, a bargain deal. You couldn't get a newspaper for a whole year, you know, for free, uh, but you can get us for free. But we're like public radio, public television. We have to do fundraisers, and um, if you like us, uh, the, the, let the, us know financially. <laughs> the important question is, will there be birthday cake at the fundraiser? I, th- I think there might be. There I you think go. There might be. See? I, I, two years is uh, for startups. You know, most two startups don't don't last two years. So, so in in that two years, uh, you know, we've seen certainly the impact that the light has been able to make. But how do you see things have changed from maybe what the idea was when it started to where it is now? Well, you know, I think we realized that, that we had to pick and choose our battles. And, and so we have done investigative stuff as our main, you know, these um, not just investigative, but long form enterprise uh, deep dive stories that most newspapers nowadays don't have the time to do. So we've done them. We've also done a lot of arts uh, coverage. Um, uh, we've, we've launched the New Bedford Fine Arts Club. So if you like that, um, you can get a lot of arts coverage. We do a civic calendar which uh, some newspapers are not doing anymore. So you can get what's happening around town on us. I think um, as we go forward, we started to do a little bit more breaking news. Uh, I think you can look forward to seeing more of that. I'm, I'm hoping someday we'll do sports. Um, so, you know, we'll see. I'm, I'm not in charge, so I, I'm giving you um, my goals for the light. I, I, I think it's um, a community um, digital site, like a community online newspaper. Um uh, but it has been um, mainly um, deep dive has been our, our forte, our, our marquee. And just just so you know, there's a lot of people that want to be sports writers in this area because they they email me every day. I notice you don't have sports on your site. Like, yeah, that's because we don't want it. Yeah, like, not that we don't want it. Interesting. But it's it's something that's it's harder to keep up with. Like, unless you have yeah. people that are dedicated people. You know, working on that all the time. Like you know, Lori Loss is is a is a person that you don't really see a lot of anymore. People who want to spend all their time writing about the local sports scene. Instead, you get people that want to do that, hoping it's a stepping stone to covering the Red Sox or the Patriots or something. Yeah, I've never been a sports writer, but it strikes me as as, as something like um, I even know with arts, like you cover this, but you don't cover that, and then it gets to be a can of worms. Um, uh, the same thing ha- can happen with news, and so you know, how do you can you do just deep dive sports coverage? Can you do just enterprise type things? Will people you know be be happy yeah. with that, or will they want every box score, every game? Because that's that's a really big lift. You know? I think I think people are getting away from that because you yeah. can get all that information online so easily yeah. now that I think people are less looking for that. They do like the more long form pieces. They like the profile pieces. 
you know, and those we still do those kind of things here. We just don't put it under the banner of sports. Yeah. You know? So I think I think that will be more likely. I, again, I'm just talking off off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. You know, I have no, I'm not um, an editor there like I was at the Standard Times. So I don't I don't know what their actual plans are, but but I know we do intend to keep doing that long form but journalism. You said you've never been a sports writer yet. This week you have a column that's very sports oriented. And uh, in a certain well, way, I, I, I didn't say I'm not interested in sports. I just never <laughs> been a sports writer. I'm, I'm very interested in sports. I'd say that could have been on the sports yeah. pages anywhere. Yeah, particularly. Um, uh, I, I, I did. Um, with, as with police, uh, when the, when there was a police um, scandal or controversy, I, I did the stories because it was very hard for a police reporter to do those stories and stay on good terms with the sources. Same thing with source, uh, sports. Uh, sometimes when there was a controversy relative to sports, um, I, I did those stories. Um, so this is not really a controversy about Dyer's Field, but boy, have I learned a lot about it. Um, I, you know, I, I did that initial story that I felt that with the demise of Greater New Bedford Youth Baseball, um, and the coming regulation soccer field, that the that the park was looking kind of shabby, and and, and I, I I felt that it needed an upgrade. Uh, the city said that they had some plans, but they needed more. Uh, we did we did succeed because of my column in getting them to agree to build a sidewalk that would allow them to rebuild the uh, handicapped uh, playground. So that was an achievement. But I think there's more that can be done there. So um, I had gotten a. Um, uh, a an email, and I think you guys got the uh, app chat from the same guy. I think he goes by Not Bad mm-hmm. um, about who was um, Dias that this field was named after. And I, you know, started looking around. I ha- I drew in the folks from Spinner Publications who have all the old Standard Times archives. I went down to the New Bedford Free Public Library to talk to the reference desk to see what they had. And what I realized was that that field has been there for a long time and has gone through a number of different names, like a lot of other things in New Bedford. Um, uh, I came across some of Buddy Thomas's columns, which is Buddy was always a font of wisdom as to what's going on uh, sports-wise in New Bedford. So originally it was just called Mount Pleasant Field. Um, and in the 1950s, um, there was some sort of baseball that was played up there. I don't know whether there were regulation you know, fields or, or, or whatever, but it was going on. The... the um, uh, Youth baseball leagues, I'm told, began around 1950. Brendan Curry, uh, an old sports writer at the Standard Times, um, and now I'm the New Bedford Light staff, uh, uh, messaged me. Uh, so this this was a field that was called Mount Pleasant Field. They started a little league called the Brick and Wood Little League. I don't know whether it was named after the Brick and Wood Housing Development, which is nearby. Uh, the park is set in the middle of three housing developments, Nashmont, Brick and Wood, and Presidential Heights. And so it's a low-income neighborhood surrounded by middle-class neighborhoods. And it hasn't gotten the attention that other parks have gotten. Well, um, a mayor named Francis Lawler, whose uh, son Brian Lawler later became mayor, um, decided to give it a little bit of attention. Um, uh, somebody uh, petitioned to start a Little League there. You know, in the 1950s, Little League wasn't like it is now. Um, it wasn't as organized. They had Pony League. They had youth baseball. And so it was hard for me to tell exactly what was Little League, what was youth baseball. So it was going by Brickenwood Little League, and they were playing the Pony League. And um, so he gave them some money, and they built a second diamond. And uh, so they had two diamonds there now. And the next year, they renamed the field Lawler Field after his father, Robert Lawler. Uh, I'm not exact. I was not able to find out exactly what Robert Lawler did. I'm sure he was a good man. Uh, he raised both a son and a grandson who became mayors. Uh, Brian Lawler, by the way, is still alive in Florida. I think uh, Phil Paleologos would get out to see him. Um, uh, and uh, 
So they named the field Lawler Field, and um, it began to expand. All of a sudden, they were calling it Greater New Bedford Youth Baseball Little League. No, no, Greater New Bedford Little League before they called it Greater New Bedford Youth Baseball. I don't know whether, you know, um, Little League has trademarked that organization. So, and then, yeah, yeah. To, to be part of Little League now, you have to charter with Little League, and that yeah. means you have to play by their rules, yeah. and you have to follow those rules. So a lot of leagues have now gone away from that, and that's why when you see youth baseball, uh, usually that means that they could be independent, they could be part of Cal Ripken, like there's all these other organizations they can join, but they've they've gotten away from, like if they're not Little League, it means that they're not chartered with yeah. them and they don't follow the Little League so rules anyway, and in the in the clips, it started out as great, it started out as Brickenwood Little League, then it was... Greater New Bedford Little League. I don't know whether it was absorbed into another league. And then it was Greater New, Youth ba- Greater New Bedford Youth Baseball. And I never found a clip that explained exactly how it got from one to the other. But I do know that Little League um, is a specific organization. And if you don't follow their customs and regulations, then you have to organize yourself there was, um, there was probably, differently. It was probably what happened in a lot of communities, which is where they called their baseball Little League. And then when Little League came... You know, started to organize more. They're like, well, if you're going to call yourselves Little League, you've got to do it this way and you've got to pay this every year. Yeah. And so a lot of these leagues just decided at that point, like, all right, we'll just change our name. Yeah. Like, that's probably what happened. I, I had a sense that money was involved like anything else. And this is in a, a low-income section of the city. So um, uh, it went on. In, so 1954, they named it Lawler Field. So Mount Pleasant Field goes to Lawler Field. And then... Time goes on. Um, uh, there are proposals. I, I found one by a city council president to add tennis courts because there is quite a bit of um, there's like an upper field and a lower field um, at this park. And so they want to add tennis courts. They want to add basketball courts. They want to add uh, sitting areas and recreation area, uh, uh, tots playground. You name it. They want to add it um, uh, in the 1960s when. Um, uh, the Great Society came in under Lyndon Johnson. There was all kinds of federal government money, the National Arts Council. And this park was going to be the first park to be redone with all this Arts Council money. But the other parks in the city were fighting about it. And I couldn't tell exactly what happened. But time went on. It got it got one basketball court. It never did get the tennis courts. Um, I think it got um, a Tots playground for a while, which has now been torn down. Um, and then in 1972, lo and behold... They re- now, this, it was only 1954, uh, I think, that it was named Lawler Field, sometime in the 1950s, early 60s. They're, they're renaming it Dias Field after a, a gentleman named Joseph Dias Sr., who evidently was the president of the Greater New Bedford Youth Baseball League, who had died, I think it was unexpectedly, the year before. So they named it Dias Field in 1972, and so that's how it came to be Dias Field. And then after that, th- there were other attempts to upgrade it, and we get to the point where um, uh, it started to decline in membership during the pandemic, and um, uh, they had some challenges, uh, both with financing and otherwise, and um, two years ago, it, it, it finally closed. Now, did did the council pass the ordinance that you can't rename something? Is that... Yeah, so um, in Finding Buddy's clip, um, so they were also, not only were they renaming the field, but they were renaming the diamonds within the field. So you had the diamonds named after, and I forget the names that they were named after, but then they changed those names too. And um, then there was Sergeant Field, as we all know, the, the high school field, which was named after a high school principal who was instrumental in, in building it. And then, um, so I guess it was 19... Um, 
24 that they named the field Sergeant Field. And then come along in 1990, uh, Paul Wall Sr. had been on the uh, school committee for a long time, helped a lot of people, and been involved in, in youth sports. And then they renamed Sergeant Field Walsh Field. And then there were all kinds of school buildings and other things that have, you know, there was an attempt to take the name of Normandan School and name it the Normandan Middle School when they built the new middle school and name it Pacheco School. And Buddy, Buddy Thomas wrote this column enough already of of taking names away. Um, Dr. Nomandon was a French-Canadian doctor who a lot of people loved it, delivered a lot of babies in the um, city. And we're going to rename it after uh, Carlos Pacheco, who had been a, a, a school committee member for a long time. And not that all of them weren't good men, but, but, but oh, oh, I think they're all men. But um, uh, Buddy's point was, why would you take away a name from someone who was led an honorable life just because their it, family has died out. Right, or, if they deserved or, it then, they still deserve it now. Yeah, so then the school committee passed um, an ordinance that, and I, I think it was the city, maybe the city too, that you can only rename something if the person has fought, their name has been dishonored somehow, something has come out. And um, and then if you want to name something, you have to go through, through certain steps and, 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 and stuff, and that seems like a good solution. Um, I know that uh, when... Uh, Former Mayor Kalis died uh, just a few years ago. They renamed the Sea Lab after him, which was a well-deserved honor. Um, the uh, um, plaza at the, at the intersection of um, the historic district and Route 18 is named after former Mayor Markey. It's a very small uh, uh, placket. I, I, I remarked upon it in my Facebook post recently because um, it was not a big, you know, grandiose thing the way that some uh, mayors have sought. So, so, uh, you know, it's interesting to see how things get named in New Bedford. My, 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 my main interest in Dyer's Field, however, is in getting a better field for that part of the city. I went up there over the weekend and there was a big um, Latino softball league functioning there now, which started a few years ago. And it's like no other softball league I ever have been to. Uh, it's um, adults in full baseball uniforms, very good players, people barbecuing, people... Um, Playing music, uh, it's, it's 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 a it's a whole different um, field to, to 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 traditional fields in New Bedford that you would you would encounter. Let's take a quick phone call here, and then we got to go to a break. Uh, good morning, you were on with Jack Spillane. Hello. Hi. Did um did Jack Spillane just say it was uh, Buddy Andrade who had said that? Buddy Thomas. Pardon me, Buddy, Buddy Thomas? Thomas. Oh, okay. Because um, I just feel I know this is a little off topic, but it's about naming things. I think that when they take down the statues of Confederate um, soldiers, first of all, full disclosure, I am not a white supremacist or anything like that. I think they they should leave that there and within, like, you know, feet or, like, you know, whatever, put a statue of the other side because you, you don't want to get rid of your history. You want to learn from your history. So you have the statue there, and then you say, you know, years later in this year, we realized that the actions of these people were particularly reprehensible, but um, instead we have, like, you know, a, a statue of Harriet Tubman, a statue of all these um, important people in our history. But I don't think we take away our history. And I think renaming schools, renaming things is taking away our history. And I think we should preserve our history so that we know. And we have to learn from our history. Otherwise, we're doomed to make the same mistakes. That's my editorial speech for today. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for the call. Bye. Have a good day.
And uh, if if you want to chime in on the idea of renaming fields or any of that, we'll take your phone calls when we come back. But right now we got to go to a break. And uh, we also have the news coming up, so I want to make sure I get the break in ahead of that. Uh, just really quickly, though, uh, John in Fairhaven, who called in before, he said uh, he'll send Fetterman a Target gift card. He heard that they're half off now. So, <laughs> all right, well, let's take a break. We'll be back in just a All right, welcome back in. We're going to be going into the newsroom with Adam Bass in just a moment. But before that, you know, I'm looking out the window today. I see the sun shining. I see the blue sky poking out behind the clouds. And I know that it's nice and warm out there. And all I can think of is that it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Well, Christmas in July, anyway. You can bring your family to experience the magic of Christmas at Edaville this July. You can visit Santa. You can ride the steam train. You can enjoy 15 vintage amusement park rides. And you can shop unique and local vendors in their Christmas market. Plus, you can experience the magic of tens of thousands of Christmas lights throughout the park and along the railroad. It is Christmas in July at Edaville, but the part that I'm the most excited about, they are bringing back in Edaville tradition the famous chicken barbecue. Remember that? They would have the chicken barbecue over near the train. They had the big barbecue pit and all that, and it was so good. You could smell it cooking. Well, it is back. Tickets start at just $34.95. Under two is free, but attendance is limited. And an important note here, tickets are not available for in-person purchase. You cannot buy them at the box office. And when you get to Edaville, they have to be purchased ahead of time online at edaville.com. So go to edaville.com right now and get your tickets to take part in Christmas in July and save me some of that chicken barbecue. All right, let's go now into the newsroom with Adam Bass and all the top stories of the day. The sentencing phase in the Tree of Life synagogue shooting trial on Pittsburgh begins one week from today. The jury handed down a guilty verdict on all 63 charges on Friday in a Pittsburgh courtroom. The defendant was convicted of murder and other charges in the shooting deaths of 11 victims at victims at the Tree of Life synagogue in Pittsburgh in 2018. Secretary of State Antony Blinken is met today met today with Chinese President Xi Jinping in Beijing. It's the second and final day of a high-stakes visit aimed at easing spiraling tensions between the world's two largest economies. The Blinken's trip to China is the first by a U.S. Secretary of State in 28, since 2018. Those, who, those in the know say his visit could pave the way for a November meeting between President Biden and Xi. A suspect is on the loose after striking a six-year-old boy with a moped in an East Harlem park. Paul DeCastro has more. Or he does not. More severe leather is hitting parts of the U.S. to begin this week. Storms that devastated areas in Texas and Oklahoma late last week moved into the lower Mississippi Valley and the central Gulf Coast states on Sunday. They left hundreds of thousands of customers without power in the south. More than 200,000 people in Oklahoma were in the dark after the severe weather left tornado-level damage. President Biden will highlight climate commitments made by his administration as part of a three-day trip to Northern California after arriving in the Bay Area today. Matt Renner, the, port, the board's president of the Climate Mobilization Project, says Biden's visit is a positive trip step. I think that he has to speak for his record, and um, I think any climate activist will tell you that it's definitely mixed. I personally think that the Bay Area is a really important place to come speak about this because of how much money is flowing into the Bay Area through climate tech. 
Biden will also stop in Palo Alto to first reveal a $600 million plan for climate projects while at the Baylands Net Nature Preserve. He's expected to give a speech on fighting the climate crisis, creating clean energy jobs, and protecting the environment. His three-day visit will also feature an event on artificial intelligence, but most of it will focus on raising money for his re-election campaign. Wes Anderson's Asteroid City is notching the strongest release in opening weekend in years. Trey Thomas has more. I've got the girls. I have to stay here with Woodrow. I'm not the chauffeur. I'm the grandfather. Where are you? Asteroid City, Farm Route 6, Mile 75. The film made $790,000 over the weekend and is estimated to make $890,000, including the Juneteenth Monday holiday. It marks the best limited release since a few years before the pandemic era. Asteroid City hits theaters everywhere this Friday. I'm Trey Thomas. The United States soccer team is claiming its second straight CONCAT. CONCACAF Nations League title. Team USA defeated Canada 2-0 in Saturday in Sunday's final at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. The U.S. has beaten Canada in 22 straight home matches dating back to 1957. And a 21-year-old California man is celebrating his 10th Guinness World Record. He solved a Rubik's Cube in the fastest time ever, only 3.13 seconds. Max Park won his first cubing competition at the age of 10 against graduates from MIT and Caltech. He started working for the puzzle as therapy after being diagnosed with autism. Rubik shared a video of the feat on Instagram, calling it mind-blowing. In sports, the Red Sox are off to Minneapolis tonight to play ball against the Minnesota Twins. First pitch at 7.10 p.m. And now here's your ABC6 weather forecast. We still have an unsettled weather pattern in the area for today and tomorrow. Expect temperatures to only warm up to those upper 60s just because we have a light northwest wind that will keep us just slightly cooler with those partly cloudy skies. Overnight tonight, we get down to 57 degrees and our rain chances do start to increase slightly. For tomorrow, we will be reaching those upper 60s. From the ABC6 Weather Center, I'm meteorologist Skylar Spindler on New Bedford's News Talk Station 1420 WBSM. It is currently 65 degrees in New Bedford. I'm Adam Bass, WBSM News. Stay up to date with New Bedford's news talk station, WBSM, and get breaking news alerts and podcasts with the WBSM app. Get breaking news alerts, stream audio, send us text messages, and get live traffic and weather updates all on the WBSM app. Download it now from your app store or at WBSM.com. And we are talking with Jax Blaine of New Bedford Light as we are turning on the light. 508-996-0500 if you want to join in the conversation. And you can also send us app chat messages on the WBSM app. Jack's going to be filling in for me on Friday. Uh, you, you won't have access to the WBSM app on Friday, but you'll still be able to take everybody's phone calls. That's okay. I'll imagine them. And, and maybe a little birdie will, will, will give me some of them. I'm, I'm going to be up. As I, I was telling Jack <laughs> off air, I'm going to be up. Any of that come in, I'll try and forward on to him so that he'll be able to... Uh, to address them on air, but yeah, thank you for filling in because um, I I was hoping that uh, I could you know move some things around when I had to come in earlier, but uh, this this is a weekend that I'd already had scheduled, so doing paranormal stuff on Block Island. Happy to help out. And we were talking before about Dias Field. We were talking about the um, the future of it, in addition to the history of it. And speaking of parks in the city. This week, we have the grand opening of the ribbon cutting for Abolitionist Row Park. That's going to be happening Friday at 1 o'clock. And that's very exciting to finally see that come to fruition. This is a monumental achievement, uh, uh, largely due to the heroic efforts of Lee Blake, who has been working on this for a long, long time. Um, you know, 
I think it's fair to say that New Bedford has had a mixed mixed feeling about Frederick Douglass. Um, there has been long efforts to rename the high school for Frederick Douglass or to name a school for Frederick Douglass. That never happened. They finally renamed the um, the, uh, the New Alma Del Mar campus. Uh, good for them. Uh, there, there is one little street that is named for Douglas, which is uh, near the old, near the Standard Times, um, actually near the uh, parking garage next to the Standard Times, which is the neighborhood where Douglas lived uh, after he moved out of Nathan and Polly Johnson's house. But I, I think, and, and there is the monument in front of City Hall, but I think that um, uh, outside of Herman Melville, um, it's hard to, 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 to think of a, a more distinguished person um, in New Bedford's history than... than um, uh, Frederick Douglass. I know he only lived here a short time, but he is arguably um, the greatest abolitionist uh, leader of the 19th century. Uh, had a major impact on the raising of consciousness during the Civil War on Abraham Lincoln um, to um, uh, emancipate uh, the enslaved people. Uh, um, so I think that having this um, park, um, uh, Abolition Road, dedicated to the abolitionist history of the city as well as a statue of Frederick Douglass. I think we also need a statue of Melville. Uh, the statue of Nathaniel Hawthorne in Salem, where I grew up, is is one of the big um, uh, tourist draws. I think that that um, Melville is, in the opinion of many people, the greatest of American writers. Um, the fact that he made New Bedford famous uh, uh, is is important, and I think that we're long overdue for a statue to him. So I think you know these great 19th century leaders. Um, they're finally getting their due, and it's it's a good thing. Well, I mean, let's let's hold off on the bragging about the Salem statues, Jack. Because you also have an Elizabeth Montgomery statue, which you know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I love Elizabeth Montgomery. Well, she deserves know, that mean, statue. Uh, maybe a hundred years from now, Bewitched will be seen as a, as a, as a monumental achievement. <laughs> I will say, when I was growing up, Bewitched was one of my favorite um, uh, sitcoms because it was so unusual for its time mm-hmm. that, that they were doing all this magic and. Um, and big influence on me for sure. Elizabeth Montgomery was 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 just a a, a lot of fun. And apparently a distant relative of Lizzie Borden. And really? she, she later played her in the movie. I, I knew she played her in the movie. I did not know she was a relative. Yeah, I guess I guess that's what they say over there that she was a distant. They actually have in the Lizzie Borden house, unless the new owner did something with it. But they actually have the dress that she wore in the movie Borden. that Elizabeth Montgomery wore in the movie as a you know on a on a dummy in the in the house. She must have been trying to break out of her typecasting role as um, as uh, bewit- the Bewitched Witch, uh, playing uh, Lizzie Borden, yeah. a different kind of witch, arguably. I can't think of anything <laughs> else that she really did. I think she kind of was typecast uh, in that role. But yeah, no, I mean, certainly the idea of having a Frederick Douglass statue here will... You mentioned the impact that he had on the abolitionist movement. Obviously, everybody knows about that. But it's really also, I think, about celebrating the the influence that New Bedford had in him developing those opinions. Yes, yes. Uh, when he came here, um, uh, he came to Nathan and Johnson, Polly Johnson's house where many people who were escaped uh, uh, enslaved people came. And uh, he really um, uh, uh, first came into contact with William Lloyd Garrison and honed his preaching style uh, uh, in the you know this area. He went to Martha's Vineyard, I think, with Garrison for the first time and began to speak. So it was the beginning of his career. Um, uh, it, it's a seminal uh, role in, in who he became, and he came back here um, uh, a number of times. 
Let's uh, take a phone call here. Good morning. You're on with Jack Spillane. Hello. Hello, you're on the air. Nope. All right, try again. 508-996-0500. Why don't we take a break? We'll be back in just a few moments. And welcome back in. We are turning on the light with Jack Spillane, 508-996-0500. If you want to call in or you can shoot us an app chat message if you want to text in. Uh, and, of course, as I've been telling you about, uh, we talked about it this morning. We had some different kind of weather this weekend. But, of course, it's going to get warm throughout the course of this week. That means you probably want to have your windows open or maybe you want to be able to put your air conditioner in the window and you realize maybe your window's stuck. Maybe your screen is ripped and torn. Maybe you need to have your window repaired. Maybe you need to have all your windows replaced. If you need that done, Precision Window and Kitchen is the place to call. Not only can they do uh, an entire window replacement or all of your windows being replaced, they can get in there and do just a little small stuff. They can fix a, a busted pane of glass. They can get in there and fix a ripped screen. They'll come to your home. They'll take out the part that needs fixing. They'll bring it to the shop. They'll do the job. They'll bring it back and make sure it's installed right. So you don't be like me where you get a brand new screen all nice and all nice and uh, finished off and then you go to put it in and you end up putting your hand through it. Uh, that has happened to me and sadly on more than one occasion. But you don't have to worry about that with precision because they'll come and take care of it for you. But they can also do big jobs too like if you need a roof replacement. This is the time of year that if you're finding those wet spots on your ceiling, if you're finding that your roof is fading or peeling, you want to call them because they can get out there and they can replace your roof. They can do it quickly. They can do it correctly. You can get a free quote by going to their website, precisionwindowandkitchen.com, and you can go down to talk to them at their showroom at 1111 Acushnet Avenue in New Bedford and find out why they are the best, why they've been doing it for almost 30 years, and why they've been doing all the jobs that are too big or too small for the other guys, precisionwindowandkitchen.com. All right, Jack. So you have the chat coming up this week, and you've got uh, you've got City Councilor Ian Abreu with you this week. Yeah, Ian Abreu. I think it's safe to say is is, is, is um, among the most active of the New Bedford City Councils, maybe the most active. Uh, he's a very gregarious guy. Um, uh, topped the ballot, I believe, the last time uh, is in his fourth term. Is a prolific fundraiser. He's got almost seventy nine thousand dollars in the bank and um, many people have talked about him as a potential mayoral candidate, maybe a state rep candidate down the road, um, maybe even more of a state rep candidate than a mayoral candidate. So uh, uh, he himself acknowledges that. Um, he's a, a moderate, uh, sort of a middle of the road counselor, um, uh, gets along pretty well with the mayor and, and has, uh, uh, sometimes not as well with some of the other counselors. But uh, uh, so I've been trying to get Ian on my chat program for a long time and I, I'm happy to say I finally have succeeded so welcome Ian uh, uh, those of you who want to listen you can listen live at 11 o'clock on Friday so I'll, I'll be finishing up here at 9 and rushing over there at, at my uh, we do it by Zoom to have Ian on the chat at 11 and then you can it's a podcast so you can see it afterwards um, uh, on the New Bedford Light site and so with all that's been going on, you know, he – we've heard little bits and pieces here and there about how he's felt about some of these things that have been happening. But I think, you know, this is the, the, a chance for you to really get him on the record with a lot of these things that you've been questioning that the city council has been doing over the course of this year. Yeah. I, I mean, Ian is, is, is generally pretty good about uh, sharing his thoughts. Um, I don't always agree with him, but I often do. Uh, so, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what he has to say on the budget, on um, – 
the way the council has 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 performed this year, uh, the um, ballot referendums, um, his fundraising. Uh, I think it's safe to say that he's raising a lot more money than anybody else on the council right now. Um, uh, and maybe a little bit about Somo Syrup, uh, his his business that he's starting. Um, uh, Ian is not averse to promoting that, but but um, I and I, I I do I understand that people, uh, uh, but I, I also think it's it's I'm a fan of uh, people who start small businesses, and uh, he's done that. He's worked hard to do it on his own, so good for him. And um, and also I should mention here. Um, just because he would want me to mention it too. But uh, <laughs> speaking of the fundraising, he is now also doing his annual uh, ice cream cone where you can go down to Dairy Maid and you can request, you know, your free Ian Abreu small cone if you're a kid. It's only for the kids. Adults don't take advantage. And uh, so you can go down there and get that. So, so Jack, you can't go down and get your, your free Ian ice I'm cream a, cone. You can't be a kid at heart and, 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 and get out and I don't. Heart. I don't think it works that way. <laughs> a very old kid I would be. Um, so, you know, I... I, I I, that's one of the benefits of being a prolific fundraiser. He's not the only politician to to run programs like that. That's eh, a good thing. And so I think that as you are, you know, having those discussions, you know, I'm sure this is a question that you want to ask, and I, I don't know how much he'll want to discuss this, but I'm sure the question will come up about he was the immediate council president before the current council president. We've had a lot of tumultuous meetings and issues going on. Are, are you going to look and compare and contrast his time as the council president as opposed to what we're seeing now? I, I think that would be one of the issues that we would we would talk about. I don't I don't think by any means it would be the only one, but I I think that um, it is fair to contrast the the, the styles. Um, I think uh, uh, he has a better relationship with the mayor. Um, uh, I, I do um, have some concerns about the way the council in general, whether it's Councilor Morad or Councilor Abreu that's in charge of things not being discussed on the floor anymore, that, that the deals seem to be done before they get there and then someone makes a motion and you know, they have the vote and then you, you never have any discussion. And, and also fewer things going to committee. Um, the, most recently, the mayor's proposal to uh, look at the health care costs um, whether you agree with the mayor or not, I, I think to, to have such a important issue when taxes are going up so greatly and healthcare costs are going up so greatly, not to even be discussed, uh, that's a, that's a, that's a question that, uh, Councillor Abel and I have not agreed on. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I think that, um, I think generally it has not been as, um, uh, Bumpy a ride, particularly with the mayor, uh, uh, when Ian was uh, council president as, as councilor Morad. Let's see if we can squeeze in this call before you do have to take our final break. Good morning. You're on with Jack Spillane. Good, mo- good morning, gentlemen. I, I've been listening partially because I'm actually in the hospital. So between getting things done here and listening, I'm trying to stay focused on that little league field, that great New Bedford little league field. I, I didn't hear what's going to go on with it. I've heard something about a soccer field, but I know nothing else. One of the comments I'd like to make is Joe Dias. Joe Dias was a heck of a guy. The last year I played Little League Baseball at that field was 1972. And prior to that, it was Lawler Field, which was, I guess, named after the former mayor. Not Brian Lawler, but his dad. And Joe Dias was a great guy. He was an umpire. I can remember him being an umpire. And he was a very soft-spoken man. And I'm hoping that if they do any changes to that field again, 
that they at least maybe keep his name involved somehow, whether it be the Joe Dias baseball complex, the whoever soccer complex, whoever the basketball complex, whatever it is. Don't lose the memory of Joe Dias. Joe Dias was a hell of a man, and he looked out for those kids. And while I'm on that subject, I just want to mention my former manager, Mr. Alphonse Bolio, who's long been passed, but what a great man. The emphasis was on being good to the kids. It wasn't on winning. We had probably the lousiest team in the league, but he was a great man. He was a great teacher, and he put the kids before winning. And I know, Jack, it's going to stay Dyer's Field because yeah, of that, I, that I, rule. I, I'm not aware of anybody uh, speaking about changing the name of, of, of Dyer's Field. Um, I know that, that when the new uh, when Hannigan School was torn down, they did rename it the Jacobs School. Uh, Irwin Jacobs had given a ton of money uh, to the city uh, for uh, education purposes. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I understand that the, the gentleman's point. Uh, Mr. Dias sounds like a laudable individual, as I'm sure Robert Lawler was before him, that there were reasons that they wanted to name it for, for Lawler. Um, uh, you know, in a, in a way... Um, Mount Pleasant Field is more like some of the other parks in the city, uh, uh, Riverside or, or um, uh, Buttonwood. But I, I, no one's really talking about renaming the field. What we are talking about is upgrading the field and making it a better place for the citizens of Ward 3. Sure. Thank you, caller. And uh, we do have to take our final break. We'll be back in a few moments. And back with Jack Spillane of New Bedford Light. Jack, what have you got working this week besides coming in here for me on Friday? <laughs> I do have a busy week this week. But um, uh, I'm, I'm working on a column on the... Um, uh, the annual, well, it's not annual, but three times the mayor has uh, proposed that the city council adopt the um, uh, state plan for health care, which would save a lot of money, not just for the taxpayers, but uh, potentially for the city employees themselves uh, because of the hyperinflationary rate that health care is raising for. And once again, the council, um, not only did they vote it down, but they refused to even hear what the numbers are and hear what the rationale for doing that. And that, to me, is a council that views itself as representing the city employees over the taxpayers. And I, I think that's unfortunate. And I think some good people are, are misadvised, including on the city unions. Um, uh, the city unions usually don't talk to me. Uh, I'd like them to talk to me. I'm from a union household. I believe in unions. But um, I think that there are two sides to this, and we need to hear the other one. All right, so you can stay tuned to NewBedfordLight.org for that. And, of course, he's got the chat coming up again. That's on Friday at 11. Friday at 11 with uh, four-term Councilor 